our Bibles tonight to Matthew 26. Matthew 26 will be in verses uh, 14 through 16. Title for tonight's message is I am Judas. And uh, a few months back when Pastor sent me the the schedule uh, for this friend and and we decided we we're going to preach through, of course, the leading up to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, and I saw that I had uh, this topic, <laughs> a difficult one, but God put this message on my heart. And uh, it's going to be a, a tearful one. You know, honestly, the truth is that the church in our day, myself included, we betray God just so easily in our lives. And uh, Judas, of course, was one of the chosen ones. Judas was very close in proximity to God. He walked with him. He, he lived with him. He ate with him. And yet we know he was an unbeliever all the time. But I want you to understand, um, it is not only unbelievers that can betray Jesus. We who believe on him, who have placed our faith in him, we oftentimes can betray him. And tonight I just want to look at just a few areas where God showed me in my life where I betray him, where I don't give him what's due to him. And we're going to read, uh, we're going to read those verses, Matthew 26, verses 14 through 16. If you're there in your Bible tonight, say amen. amen. The Bible says, then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests and said, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. In 2011, Lady Gaga came out with a song entitled Judas. Judas. And in the song, uh, there was a video made, of course, music video. And, and I, want, I, I had to just... Look it up for myself. I had to watch a little bit of this video, and let me tell you, my spirit was grieved within me. It's, it's no doubt it's demonically inspired. But in this music video, she's seen riding on a motorcycle, and the gentleman who is riding with her, he's wearing a crown of thorns, obviously depicting Jesus. But as she's riding on this motorcycle with this man who is supposed to be Jesus, she is looking to Judas. She is longing for Judas. And the lyrics in the song repeat over and over, I'm in love with Judas. Jesus is my virtue, but I want Judas. And I want you to understand that if we aren't careful, we can live our whole lives giving lip service to Jesus Loving this world more than we love him. What does the Bible say? If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
No man can serve two masters. Either you love the one and hate the other. You can't serve God and mammon. There is so many in the church who are comfortable with being lukewarm. And what does God say about that? He says, I will spew that out. What has lukewarm Christianity done to this country? We are seeing the destruction of this country from the, the, from the fabric of, of, of society. The home is under attack. Very clear things in nature are being questioned as far as gender. We're seeing this play out and, and I understand that the world will go that direction, but I'm, I'm afraid to say that many within the church are, are more in tune with what's going on with the world and, and they are more aligned with the philosophy and, and the, the love of the world system. And I'm telling you tonight that, uh, if we take a deep, long look at our lives, we will realize tonight that many times we are longing for Judas more than Jesus. I want you to notice with me, in Judas' life, the areas that led him to the point where he would betray Jesus, where he would sell Jesus for what, what, what a common slave would have been sold for. I want you to see we betray Jesus. We are Judas. We are like Judas when we follow him for what we get rather than what we can give him. I'm going to say that again. We, we betray Jesus when we follow him for what we could get rather than what we can give. I want you to understand that Judas, he, he was, of course, one that Jesus selected, but his intentions from day one were not Pure. He did not follow Jesus for love of Jesus. He had an agenda. And he would follow through with this. And it will show eventually when he, of course, sells Jesus to the powers that be. In John chapter 6 and verse 70, we know in John chapter 6, Jesus preaches that very, very potent message about him being the bread of life and and the Bible says that from that time when he preached that message that many did not walk with him. Many of his disciples went away from him. And Jesus looked to the, the twelve and he said, will you also go away? Will you also turn away? And of course, you know, Peter's response was, where else can we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. You are the Son of God. You are the Christ. He, of course, Peter declared his faith and his allegiance to Jesus Christ. And, but Jesus' response there was very telling. It was the first time that he acknowledges the fact that Judas, of course, was not one of his true followers. And I want you to see in verse 70, he said, Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. I want you to understand Jesus' selection of Judas, or the other disciples for that matter, it was not election to salvation. I want you to understand, this is why this church, we don't believe in predestination. We don't believe in election, as some people uh, hold to that faith. We believe in the, the decision is needed to be made for Christ. 
You need to choose Jesus. Now, Jesus selected uh, Judas to serve him, but this did not guarantee his salvation. And I want you to know tonight, you can go to a church on fire like Westside Christian Fellowship. You can sit in the pew. You can even go get baptized in this baptistry. You can live your whole life in a Christian culture, but your heart be far from God. And when you die and you wake up in eternity separated from God, uh, when, when we stand before Him, He's going to say to some, believe it or not, He's going to say to many that we think are truly uh, part of the family of God, He's going to say, depart from me, I know you not. It's very scary. Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus, he sees our hearts. Judas, what he saw in Jesus was an opportunity. He saw an opportunity. He, he was there for what he could get from Jesus. How many people in our culture come to Jesus who's going to make them healthy, wealthy, and, 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 and give them the blessings. And they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, oh, fix my marriage. Jesus, fix my finances. Jesus, do this. Jesus, serve me. Rather than we say, Jesus, I have come. I bow before you to serve you. Many the, the extent of their Christian service to Jesus is to come to a service like this and to sing a few songs and to listen to a sermon, but there's where it ends. Now, I'm not preaching work salvation. We don't work to be saved, but I'm telling you, if you know Christ, if you understand what He has saved you from, if you understand the blood that was shed for your sin and what He has given to you, then you can't help but work out that salvation. You can't help but serve Him. You can't help but bow before King Jesus and say, whatever it is, Lord, send me, use me. I will do whatever it is that you want me to do. I'm afraid many times in our lives we, we don't live that out. You see, Judas' his hope was that Jesus was the one who would come in and set up uh, his kingdom at that time. He would provide Israel with political uh, freedom. And he being the treasurer, he would hold an important position in the kingdom. Often the disciples would argue about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom and you, their motives were never were not right. They wanted to sit on the right hand of, of Jesus. They wanted the high position in the kingdom but when they found out as Jesus revealed that he would not set up his kingdom yet, that he had come for a spiritual kingdom. He had come to die on the cross for the sins of the world. He had come for redemption purposes and, and when he revealed that, I believe Judas was highly disappointed because instead of getting popularity there was now a target on this back instead of being able to walk freely and having people respect them oh oh, Jesus had a hit out for his life and he had to many times escape from being uh, executed by the Jews and he's like this isn't what I signed up for I want to ask you tonight uh, if your life isn't going the way that you expected, uh, has that affected your passion and your love for Jesus? Did you come to Him with your list of expectations and say, God, uh, this is what I want you to bless. Bless my life. Bless my plans. Bless my 
family. Bless this. And when you don't get that, oh, does it turn uh, your heart away from Jesus? Could it be that you're being like Judas and you're going to Him for what you can get from Him? Many times we do that unknowingly. Jesus, bless my plans. Not Jesus, what do you want from my life? Not Jesus, I will serve you no matter what it looks like. Judas, he followed him for what he could get rather than what he could give. But not only that, you know, we are like Judas when we treasure anything more than Jesus. How many times have we treasured things more than Jesus? We treasured relationships this side of heaven more than Jesus. We treasured our job, our finances, whatever it may be. You just, anything in Jesus' rightful place is idolatry. And we live in a culture that is filled with idols. Idols of self. Our idols don't sit on the shelf like they did back in Jesus' day. They don't form them and fashion these gods necessarily today to worship, but Many of us, we bow before idols in our hearts, in our lives. We want the 40 acres and the mule, and that's what we serve. We are willing to mortgage the most precious commodity that God has given to us, time, in order to pursue things that won't matter in a 100 years. This is why there is less and less of people within the American church who are willing to go to the mission field. This is why missionaries are now coming to America because our culture, Christians don't even want to live out their faith on their neighborhood, their own block because we treasure things more than Jesus. And this is what Judas did. Judas, he went to the religious leaders and he, he wanted to see what he could uh, get if he would betray our Lord. And we're going to see he, he did so for 30 pieces of silver. But I want you to understand, uh, right before Judas in Matthew 26, he, he does this. He, uh, Jesus made a stop. He made a stop at a, a home that he often would retreat into. It was the, it was the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And while he was there, Mary, she, uh, she took that spike nerd. I want you to see it. He was the honored guest in their home anytime he showed up. I want you to see, look at John 12 and verse 2. I'll read it. There they made him a supper. So Jesus comes. They, they, Martha, we know another part of the Bible that she went straight to cooking, right? She went straight to preparing the meal for Jesus. And Mary loved him so much. She just sat at his feet. She just listened to his words. And she got upset with, uh, Martha got upset with Mary and said, tell her to Jesus, tell her to come and help me prepare this meal. And Jesus looked at her and said, Mary had chosen that good part. She just wants to be in my presence. She was a lover of Jesus. She proved it. Look what she does. And there they made him a supper and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. 
Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard and anointed the feet of Jesus. I want you to see very costly spikenard. Now this would have been very valuable. We're going to see in just a moment. This would have either been her her, her life savings, a dowry from when she got married. This was uh, this was very costly. And she anointed the feet of Jesus and she wiped his feet with her hair. She wiped, she loved Jesus so much. A woman's hair in that culture was her glory. Her glory. And she took her hair and she wiped his feet, his dirty feet. And, and the Bible says, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii? You see, Judas, he was very materialistic. He knew the price of that when it came out. He had it calculated in his mind. And, and he said, why? And he tried to spiritualize what he was going to say. He just couldn't help himself. He had to say something. He says, why was this not sold and given to the poor? And the Bible says this, he said, not that he cared for the poor but because he was a thief and he had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. He was a thief, he was covetous, and he valued the, the money more than he valued Jesus. He treasured uh, the, the resources rather than the Savior. And I'm telling you, Many of us do the very same things. We serve resources more than we serve our Savior. You serve, you work 40 to 50 hours a week for the extra square footage, but you'll come to church when it's convenient. You, you teach your kids this when, when a soccer game comes up and, and, and it's on a church day and you say, oh, we're going to go and play soccer. We, we live this out in this culture. So many different examples I can give you tonight, but I'm telling you, when we put anything ahead of Jesus, Oh, we are like Judas. He would go to those religious leaders and say, What will you give me if I deliver him to him and to you? And they counted out thirty pieces of silver. Now we don't know the exact value of it. We don't know the denomination of those silver coins, but of course this is all prophesied. Zechariah 11 talks about the amount in which Jesus would be sold for, and I believe it was a substantial amount, because later we'll see that they, uh, when, when Judas uh, has remorse, he throws the money down and he doesn't want it any longer, and then they would take that money. They would not put it back into the treasury. They would take the money and they'd buy a, a land, a plot of land with those funds. And they would buy it in Judas's name. And, and uh, so it must have been a substantial amount of money. So he sold Jesus. And as I mentioned before, in Exodus, it talks about how that's the price to redeem a, a slave he viewed Jesus in that way that he was not worthy of more than a slave. I'm telling you, we, we do the same thing. We live in such a manner 
in which our lives scream louder than our worship. Our lives say, I'm more aligned with this world and, and the priorities of this world and the way of this world than I am uh, seeking, following, serving Jesus. And we'd rather serve this world than Jesus. George Beverly Shea, of course we know him, he would go with, of course, Billy Graham and and uh, sing at many of the, the crusades where, of course, thousands would come to know Christ. But at the age of 23 in 1922, he had a major decision to make. He was offered a very lucrative position singing uh, music for a secular company in New York City. And he wrestled with this decision because he, of course, was raised up in the church. He, he loved the Lord and he was using his gifts uh, to glorify God. And, and he was singing in, in churches and also on Christian radio. And when he was approached uh, with this position, it was uh, a decision that he, he, he wrestled with a bit. He didn't know what decision to make and he went to his, his safe place, which is the family piano, and he sat down and he saw a poem there. And uh, the words struck him of that poem, and it was written by Rhea Miller, and immediately God gave him the, the music to compose for this poem and make it into a song, and the song was this, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be His than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by his nail-scarred hand than to be a king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. What do you treasure more than Jesus? What, what wakes you up in the morning? What do you hunger and thirst for more than Jesus? God really, at times in my life, he's had to show, show me things that have crept him out. You know, I've been in a season just, and, and any of you guys been there where you just, you just struggled, you're struggling. And, and uh, honestly, on Tuesday night, you know, I struggled as I preached, and I just, I've struggled a little bit this week. Just I haven't sensed his presence. And, and let me tell you, it's rocked my world. And I I did everything that I knew to do. I deleted all the apps on my phone, all the social media is going, all the other things, all the other distractions. I haven't turned on the TV. And I'm telling you, I was up at two in the morning and I'm I'm just saying, God, where are you? I just I just I'm not sensing you. I'm not feeling uh your presence in my life and I'm telling you, uh you can ask my wife this. I'm I had the text pastor today said, uh, I'm just feeling so dry, I need more of Jesus. Because once you taste him, you can't live without him. The rest of that song says he's he's fairer than lilies of rarest blooms bloom. He's sweeter than honey, fresh out the comb. 
He's all that my hungering spirit need. I'd rather have Jesus and let him lead. Is that the cry of your life? If it isn't tonight, you need to run to this altar. God isn't going to rend the heavens for people who are just halfway in with Him. Who aren't in love with Him. Who aren't madly in love with Him. And I know men in this room. I know women in this room. Who, who have hard hearts and are critical and they don't have any joy or peace and they don't, they don't really have a heart of worship. And, and I'm telling you, there's something off and, and you can get like Judas and you can get comfortable, uh, close to Jesus. You can get comfortable, uh, being near others who love Jesus and, and, and not ever have it for yourself. And, and let me tell you, that is the most miserable place to be if you are saved tonight. And if you aren't saved tonight, oh, you might want to ask yourself, this question, is it worth it? Is, is, is the other stuff that's crowding Jesus out worth my eternity? We're like Judas. I am Judas when I follow him for what I get rather than what I can give him. And when I treasure things or anything more than him, but I want you to see when my walk doesn't match my words, I'm like Judas. As I mentioned before, Judas, he walks with Jesus. Do you know Ju- Judas probably healed people? Judas had the ability given to him by Jesus to cast out devils. But ultimately, what Judas would be known for is betraying Jesus. And the manner in which he did so was like we do. He betrayed him with a kiss. With his mouth, he greeted Jesus with love and affection. But his heart was far from him. He had already sold Jesus to these wicked men. And I want you to see in Matthew 26... In verse 47, I don't know if I got this verse in time, but it says, And while he was still speaking, Jesus, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude of swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him. And immediately he went up to Jesus and he said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed them. He betrayed our Lord with a kiss. And even though he did this, Jesus still loved him. I want you to see how Jesus responded. He says, but Jesus said to him, friend, friend, or companion, why have you come? Of course, Jesus knew. But the last words that Jesus spoke to Judas were these words. He called him friend. He loved him. And I want you to understand tonight that when our walk doesn't match our words, when we betray Jesus in some of the ways mentioned tonight, we are like Judas. You know, we're praying for revival. We're asking for God to rend the heavens. I was reading 
about the first great awakening this morning. And it was described as this way. Uh, in Jonathan Edwards Church in Northampton, Massachusetts, um, he, he pastored a church there, a young, young pastor at the time. He said this, it pleased God to display his free and sovereign mercy in the conversion of a great multitude of souls in a short space of time, turning them from formal, listen to this, formal, cold, and careless profession of Christianity. I went on to read how that many within the church were converted during this revival. Many who were going through the motions, many who had that formal, cold, maybe dignified type of Christianity. Oh, when revival hit the church there, there was a radical difference in their their lives. Many gave their hearts to Christ for the first time, and those who had had slid away from Him were, were brought back to a, a fire uh, and a passion for Him. And I want to ask you tonight, when was the last time that God moved powerfully in your heart where all you could do is seek Him, where all you did was thirst for Him, where all you wanted to do is to get into His Word again, when all you wanted to do was put the worship on, when all you wanted to do is sit at His feet like Mary did? Uh, has it been a long time? Has it ever been? I want to ask you tonight. If not, I'm telling you, you're like Judas. We've got to let the Word of God be that mirror in our lives. The standard of Christianity isn't what your neighbor's doing. It isn't another church. The standard is the Word of God. And I'm telling you, we've got... Does our Christianity resemble that of the Bible? Many times, no, in my life. But like Judas, I am Judas when I don't walk what I talk, when my life doesn't match my what I preach. But I want you to see lastly tonight, we are like Judas when we regret, we have remorse rather than repent. In Matthew 27, in verse 2, I want you to see this. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate. And I want you to understand, I don't know what was in Judas's mind. I don't know what he thought they were going to do with him. Of course, Jesus had told them on a few occasions that he would suffer and that he would die. But I think it got real for Judas when they saw these religious leaders usher him to Pontius Pilate. You see, the Jews did not have the legal authority to put anyone to death. They were under the the rule of Rome. So they had to bring Jesus swiftly before the people found out to Pontius Pilate because it would have caused an uproar. And Pontius Pilate just so happened, of course, to be 
in Jerusalem at this time. They, they, the Romans did not like the Jews. They were uh, they were obstinate people. They were hard-hearted and they were rebellious towards the the rule of Rome. And so they they thought that during these feasts, like Passover, uh, like the one at this time where Jesus is being uh, brought to Pontius, they would they would make their way into town and they'd bring soldiers, extra guards in at this time to to keep the peace. And so. Judas, I think it became real when he saw Jesus being ushered to the courtroom of the governor. And the Bible says, then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned. And so he, he was in the courtroom. I believe he was there uh, to be a witness against Jesus. I believe he was probably one of the false witnesses. And, and maybe he thought that Jesus might uh, get whipped or flogged or, or get, receive some type of punishment. Um, but he did not expect for them to condemn him to death. And at that point, he became remorseful, the Bible says. And he says, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? You see to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and he went and hanged himself. I want you to see Judas, he was remorseful, but he was not to the point where he would repent. I can't tell you how many times I've sat with people, men, some in this church who have been caught by their wives watching pornography or something of that nature and and they're more upset that their wives reached out for help than the, and that we were made aware of it than the sin that they are involved with. Remorseful, but not repentant. And I'm telling you, many today in the church are right there. You'll go back to the sin. Next week after rain, oh, you remember that first rain in the heavens when God was moving uh, so powerfully and, and people were being set free and, and God was, uh, of course, his presence was so thick in here and it just seemed like, uh, you know, we were just floating for a while and I'm telling you just a few short days after that, uh, people went running back to whatever it was that God had delivered them from. They, they valued the sin. They wanted the sin. They desired the sin more than Jesus. They were remorseful. Uh, that their wife said enough is enough, but they weren't yet repentant. And I'm telling you today, we have to get to this point in our lives, and I'm right there with you, where we hate sin, where we hate the sin in our lives, not just the sin in our neighbor's lives. And once we get there, oh my goodness, God can meet with us. God can fill a vessel like that. God can uh, change a life like that, and He can keep you uh, close to Him. He can fill you with His Spirit. We know... Peter would deny Jesus and he also went and wept bitterly. We know that later Jesus met with them and he he made things right. You remember what Jesus did? He, he met him on the shore and he said, Peter, do you love me? <laughs> Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Three times because you remembered Peter denied him three times. He repented. 
And God restored that relationship with Peter. And He says, when you are restored, He predicted, He knew Peter's heart. He said, when you are restored, go and strengthen the brethren. We need a heavy dose of repentance in the church. You know what repentance means? It means turning away from sin and not going back. You know why David was a man after God's own heart? He made every mistake in the book, right? But I'm telling you, he never, look it up, he never repeated the same sin. When he repented, he meant it. And I'm telling you, we've got to get there. And if you aren't there, you've got to ask God to show you your sin. You see, that's what revival is. It's an awareness of your sin. Oh, you may think, oh, it's just a little gossip. Oh, it's a little this or a little that, a little white lie here, a little whatever it might be, a little uh, uh, drunkenness here. A little, and, and we look at sin so little. But I'm telling you, every time that we are uh, complicit in sin, we are denying Christ. We are, uh, we are uh, for the thing that got him on the cross, we are more embracing that than him. And I'm telling you tonight, what we need is not more Christians who feel sorry because they hear a worship song. What we need is more Christians who will repent before a righteous, holy God and say, I don't want that anymore. I want you more than that, Jesus. I want you more than that tequila. I want you more than that screen. I want you more than anything else. And I'm telling you, when we get there, we will see God in the heavens. I promise you. When we weep over our sin, when we get past just regret and get to true repentance, when we are exposed before a righteous, holy God, that's a vessel He can fill. I'm Judas. Well, let me tell you how I've been feeling. I've been thinking, I, I did inventory. I said, God, what is it? Show me what it is in and he showed me some things. And I spent all day today getting my heart right with him. May have to do it again tomorrow. So do you. And I'm telling you, when you do that, God will meet with you. I am Judas, so were you at times. But if God has spoken to you in any of these areas tonight, if He's revealed through His Spirit speaking to you uh, tonight uh, something that is grieving the Holy Spirit in your life, something that is this, something you've put before Him, something that has come from being a good thing to a God thing, you've elevated in your life too much, more than Him. You you can't say with all of your heart that you have put Jesus uh, before everything and everyone, every other relationship, every other pursuit, every other uh, distraction is, is minimal in the light of who He is and your relationship with Him. If you are comfortable not experiencing God on a day-to-day -day basis, oh, you need to run to this altar tonight. Yeah.